welcome Ed Spire listeners. Welcome to another show. It's me, Danny Jones, and Holly Gulick, and we're here with our visitor today, Joe, and he's got lots to talk to you guys about, but wanted to kind of bring you in for a little scenario to start us off. Um, picture what businesses, big-time businesses, are doing nowadays when they look for candidates. They're looking for leadership qualities. They're looking for problem-solving skills. They're looking for communication and creativity from their leaders. And we think about it from an educational standpoint. How do we prepare students you know, for that real-world experience? And we do that through you know, project-based learning, through deeper learning experience, through peer-to-peer interaction, and then just the respect of diversity and others' differences with a combination of differentiated instruction. So, you know, with that, we kind of roll into, you know, Joe. Joe Beasley's here to talk about, you know, inclusion classrooms and some project-based learning strategies with us today. But wanted to give you a little lowdown on Joe. Joe, he is a, you know, PBS digital innovator, top 50 teachers in 2018. He has his own TV show. It's called Super Science Show with Joe. And I know where you're going with that little play on words, Joe. And then also (laughs) former county teacher of the year for Goochland County and also co-creator of like Scratch Ed, um, which, you know, you can look up and find more about. But want to jump right into inclusion classrooms and and kind of your experiences on it, Joe. Um, We know that you, you know, led an inclusion classroom in Goochland and, you know, led it very successfully. Um, kind of go into, you know, the strengths and differences and kind of, or maybe just going on basic, what is an inclusion classroom? Well, thanks for having me. You know, a lot of people think of inclusion classroom and then people think of inclusion in very different ways. And I think the way this one worked out was that I had an opportunity to um, get with a uh, special ed teacher or an ex- exceptional ed teacher. And we came together and she came to me with this crazy idea of like, hey, what do you think about you teaching and I'll co-teach with you and then I'll have all of my students, all my students with special needs or with, you know, with these needs and I will work with you and we will work together to make sure that um, all kids are included and let's give it a shot. And this, at the time it was very scary um, because you're basically, I mean, if you don't realize it, teachers are, it's the loneliest job in the entire world. I mean, if you think about it, you, you know, you walk into your classroom, you have your four walls. No one comes in to bother you. No one comes in to tell you what's wrong or what to do. You might have an observation once a year and that's it. But like you, you're kind of in control and you kind of know what you do. And so when she came to me with this idea, I was like, uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. I don't know. But we, you know, we talked some more. And so we ended up, ended up working together. And so Basically, our inclusion classroom was, we did it for three years. Um, she had her whole caseload in my room with me, with a bunch of other students. And it was mixed with, we had students that were very high functioning to low functioning students. And we taught all day and we worked together as a team. Um, it was almost like, um, it's almost like a marriage in a way. Like we were kind of like, you know, it's, a, it's, it's def- because you have to have a deep relationship in order to make things happen. And so our relation, our willing to work with each other and accept each other's differences and our backgrounds was, was our strength. And I think that, um, I mean, her name's Amanda Steely and she's one of the, the, probably the best exceptional ed special ed teachers I've ever met. And um, she works in Goochland. I'm trying to get her to come to Henrico, but she loves <laughs> Goochland. We ended up working together and, and we, it just started off really great because what happened was is that you're actually working with kids who typically don't get to work with other kids. Right. So like you're working with kids or, you know, because nowadays, you know, you we're trying to make them more um, heterogeneous. But there's, you know, when it comes to IEPs and, everything, and all these different um, 
these different accommodations, it's hard to do that. So we, we ran with the, you know, we, we took, we took these kids in and we tried, and we made, we made a family. That's what we did. We just said, we're a family and we're going to accept each other no matter what. And we ran with it. And I, um, I was very fortunate to learn a lot from her. And so basically what it looked like was that I taught, we taught together. It was, you know, she would teach math or I would teach math, but you know, she'd have to hit those accommodations, but also I would step in and hit those accommodations as well. Or picture this way. I jumped into IEPs. I actually got to help write IEPs. Now I didn't like sign them off and everything, but like I jumped in IEPs and if a teacher, so like, you know, gen ed teachers have no idea what IEPs really are like because they're a monster. They're pa- oh, it's yeah. pages and pages and pages. And so like it was, and I think that like me giving up, getting in, getting, you know, giving up kind of my, my boundaries and jumping into something that I wasn't comfortable with shows her that I was willing to work and really go after it. And she was the same way vice versa. When I came to leading lessons, she would, she would totally set up. So it was like having two teachers in the room and the kids saw that. And then if, if the kids saw that and the kids felt like everything was, everybody was included. And so then that inclusion classroom really was, wasn't, you would walk in our classroom and you'd have no idea who would have accommodations or what, because we were all together as a family. We all helped each other out. Um, two biggest things in my classroom is um, uh, my, one of my biggest motto has always been um, 20% brain, 80% heart. You, you don't have to be smart at everything, but if you have a little bit of head knowledge and you work really hard, you're going to get it. And also, how can I help you is the next biggest thing. The kids should always be asking, not, hey, what are we doing? It's how can I help you? And those are the two biggest things that we went by that really kind of helped promote it. And I mean, our first year, we rocked it, guys. Like we rocked it. And it was awesome because we were all we were all together and she was willing to do the work. I was willing to do the work. The kids were willing to do the work. And it, we just created such a positive environment. It was actually the first class ever where 100% of our students passed the reading as well that year. Wow. And we, That's had, awesome. we had three to four students that never passed an as well in their entire lives. Yeah. I do want to. I do want to ask, like, when you get with all those those students and that different learning levels, um, like, and from day one, is it like you said, like, how can I help? Is yeah. it right from the get go? Is it a zero tolerance policy when you know we're we're trying to to learn to you know respect everybody and respect our differences? Yeah, I think my strength when it comes to teaching is to really connecting with kids and making sure they feel comfortable and making sure that they feel you know part of it part of it or they're comfortable in my classroom. Amanda would come in and supplement that. And then she would come in and kind of see where I am, but then she would work with her kids and work with other kids. And and that would kind of, she'd be like the glue of our classroom and kind of cement that. So like, I would, I mean, I'm a big believer. I'm a big, big believer in that the first week should never be going over, you know, standards. We should really be working together and team working. So whether it's doing fun projects or doing some sort of team building, I am a huge nerd when it comes to group projects. I love group projects. It's something that I think I missed out on a lot. And I think it's a really, really important. We don't do more of it. Um, so we did a lot of just different fun projects and get them excited and just get them excited about school and just be, get them excited to come to school, get them excited to come to the classroom, get them excited because it's fifth grade. Right. So like they're, they've are, they've are, you know, the third, fourth graders that are coming in that classroom with those accommodations, they, they're not very excited about school because they haven't been successful. Right. Yeah. And so you want to oh, yeah. make them feel successful. So I think for that, like the, it's just, honestly, you're just, we're constantly team building. And, you know, that's where like some of the things that come into place that really helped cement it was like things like we would do morning meetings. We would do, 
I would I write songs, so we would be singing and dancing and, and rocking out in the classroom. Um, we would we every day we would get up and say one nice thing about each other, or we would point something out, or you know, it's really one thing that's always stood out to me is like well, I don't understand why teachers don't do this, but like when someone does something really awesome in the class, like let's just say a kid gets up, picks up a piece of paper, and notices someone else needs to pick it up, picks it up. I would literally stop class and say, right. "Stop!" Like look what this person's doing. Look what this child's doing. Look what this student's doing. You guys should look, he's being a leader. Do you see this? And so like that kind of transformed itself when we did group work because we would do this thing called Scrum, which comes from um, a business um, business model, basically how, used to, how we work in groups. And I was able to um, bring it into the school system. I was one of the first teachers to bring it in Virginia with a buddy of mine. And what that is basically is scrums is huge. I mean, I'm sure people, it's a big thing in business world, but it's basically instead of doing like a waterfall effect where we complete one task together, then we move on to the next task. It's more of people are all working on different tasks as one to build towards something. So let's pretend that we were going to uh, make a, uh, an Italian dinner. We were all, you, all three of us, right? Well, we wouldn't go to the grocery store together and let's all walk to the pasta section. Let's all walk to the, sauce section let's all walk to the vegetable section no you'd say danny you'd go holly you would go to this part of the store i'd go to that part of the store pick up stuff come back and then we would come home and make the dinner but like you wouldn't sit there and watch me boil water right you would <laughs> danny you would start cutting the vegetables holly you would start warming up the oven and getting the bread in the oven or whatnot and so that's the idea of it is that you know there's different parts of the project that everybody can that everybody can do something that they can all contribute to and so with that process, you know, we were highlighting kids' skills and abilities that were never highlighted before. And so that, once again, brought kids closer together because group projects suck. They're the worst thing in the entire world. They're, they're terrible. And, and the, the reason why they're so terrible is because no one teaches how to work together. What was really cool with that process was that while I'm doing this, we do this in the very beginning of the year. So we do all these fun projects. We would do the songs. We would do these shout outs but then we would just start doing group projects together in this inclusion environment and kids that were you know like the kids with the ieps or accommodations were always pushed to the side when it comes to group projects because what do you do when you do a group project you pick your friends you do you don't you don't you're like yeah. i want to be with this person because i'm comfortable with this person <laughs> but the thing was what we did what was different we kind of flipped it on its side what i had them do and it's I don't know if I would say that it's, it's got to be a very comfortable situation to do this. You can't just really nilly just, oh, this is a great idea, Joe. I'm going to do this tomorrow. I would never tell a teacher to do this tomorrow. But what I would do is I would line the kids up in a line and I'd pick four leaders and I'd say, okay, here's our project. Let's say it's making a poster or something. Okay. This is awesome that you have, you have a poster project. And so what do we need to have this approach for? You need someone to research. You need someone who can draw. You can send someone who can color. You need someone who can, who can do something with maybe something creative. I want you to pick people based on the skills that we need for this project instead of picking your friends. And I'd line them up and we would draft it like, a, like an NFL draft. And those kids would pick first pick, second pick, third pick in front of the entire class. Now, oh, wow. my classroom is very different because I was able to, like, say, it's okay if you're picked last, because if you're picked last, we're doing this, we're just doing this for, for what it is, and it doesn't matter, but I want you to pay attention to making sure that you are picking people that you know that, that, are, that are good for that, and so we would actually, like, talk it out as we go. Mm -hmm. Who do you want, Johnny? I want, I want um, Ashley. Mm -hmm. Why do you want Ashley? Ashley's a really good drawer. And then they start vocalizing it and saying that out loud to the class. 
That's cool. So then everybody sees that, right? So like, and then you start going down the line. Last person's pick, you say, it's okay. It's no big deal. Um, don't worry about it. It's our first time news. But we do it ever, or we do, we do projects throughout the year. And then kids that are typically the ones that are always picked first are typically the ones that are picked last. And we start having those conversations about why were you picked last? Well, last project, I really wasn't doing my job. I was too busy playing. And they're being honest and they're being open. Now, I would never tell someone to go to that tomorrow. You have to really foster that leadership. Um, mm -hmm. And what typically happens is the kids that are picked last in, the, in initial groups are always the ones picked first. And always my, it always, always seemed like the kids with my accommodations were always picked first because, yeah, of course, they might, they might be a little, they might have some social awkwardy or they might be awkward in that way or they might not feel like they they're they're smart enough to be in that group or they might have something that's holding them back but they've got a gift or they yeah. got a skill that blows everyone out of the park and so that was really cool seeing that and so like you know you walk in like i said you'd walk in our classroom and you wouldn't know who is who because because we would have we'd have apple come in we'd have um we had schools from all over the all over virginia we've had schools from all over um the nation come in to kind of see our classroom and like teachers would walk in and be like, and then like, they're like, wait, like who, like you would never know that certain kids have accommodations. And because of that, because they're fostering their skills, they're showing off what they are, what they're good at. They're not showing off what they're bad at, which we're constantly harking at every single time. We're always working on whatever they're, what's wrong. What's the wrong answer. What's the wrong problem. What do we need to work on? So. No, I love the fact that you're kind of bringing up like in scrum, like the inclusion classroom seems to kind of work out perfectly for like that scrum. Like everyone has different, you know, ideas. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. Um, but I love the fact that you're like praising people throughout that selection process. Go ahead, Holly. Well, and I, I can't, I, so I, since I'm a school counselor, so I just keep hearing the amazing learning and opportunities and growth that's able to take place because you've worked so hard to create a safe classroom. And so I think, for teachers out there, you know, really, we, we, we talk about relationships in school and education is this buzzword, but really, I think to be able to do what you're doing and to see the success and effectiveness and, and not just your classroom, but with your students and, and, and other educators is because you're creating that safe environment and you're focusing on those relationships and it's, that's incredible. And yeah. like one, kind of from back in the beginning when we're talking about traits that businesses want to see, like communication, problem solving, um, but like leadership qualities, like go that selection process of just bringing kids in, talking about, hey, I'm picking you because I think you're great at this. And, and handling, um, you know, I, well, and, and also, too, like, in, you know, when you go into a job interview, you know, like sometimes it is who you know, but you're based on it's based on your skill set. You know, so what you're doing in that classroom is I mean, that's life ready. That's job ready. It's teaching them how to handle and, and to handle the, re, you know, the rejection and to be able to kind of talk about that in a safe way and allow them to kind of, instead of sulk or shut down, which we've all, we all know our kids can do that. How do you help them to the other side and grow in that area so that they can be more um, attractive to a, a, another group? But that's kind of how our society is now, right? Like, let's, I mean, like, if I don't get so many likes on Twitter, if I don't get any likes on Instagram, nobody likes me, right? right. So it's like... And if I don't do well on one thing, then nobody's ever going to, I mean, it's so sad, but it's so true. Like, it's like, you know, if, if I don't get the attention I want, yeah. then I'm a failure. Right. And so like, or if I don't do the things I'm supposed to be doing that I'm, that I, and I don't get it right the first time, though, then I'm not doing a good job. So like, and that's the thing too, is it? it's, and so people cringe when I tell them like, 
yeah, we, we pick, we, I draft him and we pick last. And then we, and then the people that are picked last constantly, we talk about it, but I'm not sitting there and saying, and shaming them. I'm not shaming them at all. I'm saying, well, you know what we need to work on because honestly, everyone's going to be in the last line at least once or twice in a group yes. because it's just, I'm, I might, I may think I'm going to bring my A game and I end up not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And I got to learn from that. I got to learn from that. Right. So like, that's the biggest thing. And, and like, and see, like the thing is too, is like, you know, so when we're working with groups and, you know, there's always issues with groups and kids, you know, kids are learning how to work with each other. And there's always one issue in the group and it's constantly, it's someone's not pulling their own weight. And the one thing I've learned a lot from that is not, it's not someone is not pulling their own weight. It's just, they don't know how to help. Mm. So like I have, like I have, because you've got somebody in the group trying to tell everybody what to do, which is not, which is the one number one rule you're not supposed to do in Scrum is you're not supposed to tell people what to do. There's no leader in the group. You're, that's where how can I help you comes from. You should be constantly saying, how can I help you to make sure that we're on the same, same page? And there's things that we do that like stand-ups, which are basically the beginning and end of class. They all stand up and they talk. What did they get done yesterday? What do they need to do today? What are the impediments or problems that we're facing? Those three things within five minutes. And that's supposed to be quick. And then I come in and say, what's your problems? And I try to help solve those issues if I can. Um, and then there's also like, we do product demos where we sit down and we do like, a, like you're, it's, it's like Shark Tank. Show me your, what you guys got so far, you know? And, right. and then that's how I can assess and see where students are. Because number one thing that, so there's a lot of people out there like Capital One and, and I'm not dissing on because I'm actually working with Capital One a little bit on this. They're trying to push in this model, but they don't realize is that the number one reason why we're doing this model is, yeah, inclusion is awesome. But also, number one thing is schools, kids got to learn. Kids got to grow. Kids got to get something out of this project. It can't just be, I'm making this project just to make this project. There's got to be some sort of outcome for it. So the product demos where they sit down with me and I assess them and I can kind of ask them questions and see where their learning is. I mean, I mean, and, and, they're, and, they get, and they get things done so fast because we're able to break it down so everybody knows what they're working on. Um, you know, we've done projects for Maymont where we did this huge robotic, uh, we, I'm really big into coding, but we made this, um, they had the cat chain sharks at Maymont. I think it's the cat, I think it's the cat chain shark is what they were called. They're like little tiny sharks and they, I think they glow in the dark when they go down in the ocean. But my kids were able to make like robotic, like shark things that moved and lit, lit up. And it's basically showing how the, the shark would go up to the, the, up to the top of the water, gather sunlight and come down and glow and so the shark would go up and glow and it was like this huge like project we did um and the kids did an awesome job and they were able to do because they had so much because they were able to control their time and work really work really well together and they blew Maymont out of the park they're like we want to keep these so we can show these forever and it was you know it was better than some of the, one the lady was like this is better than some of the exhibits we have which is really cool because <laughs> <laughs> the kids actually they coded it and they built this machine that would actually go back and forth and show the shark and it had sound and lights and it buzzed and it was really, really neat. Um, but like you can do those projects when you get a team that knows how to work together. When a team that really understands each other and really like, you know, like after a couple of projects, the team might actually say, you know what guys, I really like everyone in this group. Let's not change teams. Let's just stick with this team for the rest of the year. And so like, then you've got, you're getting relationships really formed and kids are really working together really well. How do you, so, so with this model, like what are some of the challenges, like common challenges that you encountered just for our teachers mm -hmm. in, in education, um, this, you know, decision makers out there like principals, admin, what are some of the challenges that you encountered and how did you kind of work through some of those? So one of the, so like we've kind of tried to spread the word of it. And I, I think the, one of the reasons why this hasn't really blown up as I thought it would, or we thought it would, because there are people out there doing it. 
Um, it takes a lot of time to invest to understand what to do. And as and unfortunately, in our system, teachers really struggle with wanting to see instant results. And this and this is not instant results. It's practice. Mm -hmm. And it's it's the you get better at it over time, you're going to have things go wrong, your first project, things are never going to go right. And that's where you have to have the knowledge and the understanding to be like, you know, hey, let's let's walk through this project and, and really walk through it. Um, Joe, correct me, if, correct ahead. me if I'm wrong, but um, it almost seems like it's uh, rigorous, not only for the students to learn that process, yeah. but the teachers to be a part of <laughs> yeah, that process. Yeah, because you got to let go, and we yeah. don't want to let go, and it's hard to let go, and it's hard to walk, and, and I think the thing that the teachers always, and so like I love, okay, so like I'm really bad at this, but I love taking as much time as possible for a group project. I love projects so much that I will take I will cut out a little bit of my math time, cut out a little bit of my reading time because I feel like it's inner, it's inner curriculum anyway. So it really doesn't matter. We're going to have all this stuff in there. I want time. So the biggest thing teachers complain about when we try to start this is time. And I'm like, well, you just got, you mean, you got to make it work and you've got to, you, you've got to, you've got to, they want, we're so used to like, I mean, I hate saying it, but like jam plan or someone telling me yeah. what exactly they do at this time, at this time. And you're working with human beings. You're not doing a script. And you, things are going to go wrong. And, but, you know, like I've done it with uh, um, a fourth grade class last year. I'd come in for a half an hour, a half an hour, and we get so much done and the kids could do it. And then, and then they can start working on their own because you teach them and they do it on their own. And then what's funny is you go to fifth grade, these kids in fifth grade, and they start like, oh, wait, we're doing a group project here. We did this last year. Let's do this here now. Or they'll go to middle school and they'll do it there. You know, and, and um, we've had that happen several times, but. Um, the biggest challenge is, is just patience and time and understanding and really, you know, you've got to, you've got to be the leader to let things go, but you also got to know when to reel them in. I think that's the hardest thing for a teacher, for the kids. It's, it's always going to be, you have to constantly remind them, how can I help you? And you have to constantly remind them. Um, so that's remember, what the kids are saying. How can, how can I, I help you? you? That's what I say every single day. That's what they should be saying. I mean, if you think of it, it's servant leadership and it's the way like we all should be doing It's yeah. You know, in my, you know, my, you know, it should be like, we should all be, we should all be saying, how can I help you? And we all should be helping each other out, especially with everything with COVID right now and the way things are going, we should all be doing that, right? Because we all need, we all need help right now. Oh, yeah. Lots of it. <laughs> I like that. All right. So like, love, love the scrum, love the inclusion talk, uh, but kind of want to know for your exit ticket, kind of leaving here, Joe, like when you got the idea of doing this inclusion classroom with uh, Amanda. Like you said, you weren't first on board now that you've done it. Like, what is your motivation? If you were to jump back in the classroom and given this opportunity, what's your, what's your motivation to kind of start a, maybe not a full inclusion classroom, but a somewhat, you know, uh, inclusion classroom. Ideally. I mean, we always joked about starting a school like this. Like I would be awesome to have a school like this model with the scrum and everything. And we're doing the project based learning, but I guess um, for me, it's, it's, <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I'm a biggest. I'm a big believer in Seymour Papert. He's a constructivist. He talks about. Um, he was actually the first um, teacher to bring in computers into a classroom back in the '80s. People thought he was crazy, wow. but um, I'm a big believer in then giving kids skills over knowledge. I think that the knowledge is already there, and so like the kids that come in those classrooms with all accommodations or wherever you know wherever they come from. Um, whether they're high functioning or, or low functioning or whatever, 
you know, I, my biggest belief is skills. I'm a big believer in, in, in letting kids go through a process where they're going to learn, they're going to hit bumps in the road, but they're also going to take the ready-made knowledge that we all have because of the internet, because of all these things, and use that knowledge to actually make something and do something that they love. Because for me, <clears throat> I was really bad at school. I, I hated school. I was really bad. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I got into teaching by a, by a miracle. And um, it's something I thrived in. It's something that for the first time in my life, I feel like I thrived in it. So like yeah. finding something that I really love and, and, and love to do is something that I'm passionate about. You know, I, and it helped me believe that if I can help my students find something that they're really passionate about and then, you know, and intertwine that in their learning, well, then they can go and do whatever they want to do for the rest of their lives. And they know that they have a skill that they can use, you know, forever. You know, we talk about the jobs, like no one really cares about if I remember when Jamestown was or when the moon phases, you know, mm -hmm. you know, Ted Dintersmith said that we, I think we watched that Ted Dintersmith said that, you know, like we talk about retaining and no one, we come back from summer vacation and we go, okay, what did you retain? And we're like, they don't retain anything. <laughs> so like, yeah. <laughs> you've got to have, so like, so if I can't retain all that knowledge that you're giving me, I got to do something with it and give me a skill where I can build upon it and keep working at it. And then I'll have the knowledge and the skills to make a difference. Yeah, I, I love that. And um, I just wanted to say, look, Holly and I were talking a little bit about it and you kind of mentioned it earlier. Like when we were in elementary school, we we didn't have the skills and, you know, the communication skills and perhaps some of the academic skills that some of our other fellow peers had. But we we had our stuff that we were good at. But project based learning was just not a thing that yeah. we're just I just think that, you know, Joe, you know, and Holly and I were just so lucky just to have the opportunity mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, to reach kids like this and, mm -hmm. and to provide this kind of different differentiated learning. And um, Holly, I know you wanted to kind of piggyback. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, I have a learning disability or I have it as a mass. So I had an IEP. So I'm very used to self-contained classrooms, mm -hmm. um, that whole world, and just being overlooked. And um, so I, you know, personally resonate with this because I think I had a lot of skills that now I'm, I'm using them, right? Um, I eventually found that passion, but school was very hard for me as well. And um, it would have been great to have something like this. Um, so I just really appreciate, we both appreciate what you're doing. And um, I've learned a lot. So I guess, you know, what is a teacher who's maybe listening, who's never experimented with this before and maybe, you know, wants to learn more about it or kind of what's a, a, a next step for a teacher who wants to maybe get into this, um, learn more about it? Any, any recommendations? Um, so I would, so if someone wants to get into an inclusion classroom, um, I, I would definitely reach out to your specialist or someone you'd talk to because the, um, you got to find somebody who's going to want to do that, right? So if you're an ex exceptional ed teacher, I would find, if I were you, if I was the exceptional ed teacher, I'd find the rock star teacher in the school, the coolest teacher in the school, the one that takes all the risks, that one that wants to go for it. And I get with, with him or her and say, this is an idea I would love to do. But I'd also talk with my principal about it too. But I would talk to that teacher and say, let's bring this to the principal if, if they're in for it. That's what we did. And we brought to our principal and our principal's like, yeah, why not? Because you've got this, if you've got, you know, two people that are willing to really work towards something and do something that's really never really done that often um, and do something that's best for kids, I mean, why, why would you say no to that? So I would definitely do that. Um, and then the, for the Scrum stuff, there's a lot of good resources online. Follow me, Mr. Beasley Teach at Twitter. I've got a lot of, I'm, I'm working on resources right now and I'm working with Capital One. My goal is to get something out there that's like, a, we've got some Scrum stuff out there right now, but 
Um, we need to kind of get it all in one place for people to start off because it's definitely a process, but like it can make a world of difference if people are willing to give it a shot or just even look up Scrum, S-C-R-U-M, Scrum. It's, it's you know, there's tons of information out there, Scrum and education, a lot of cool stuff out there. But if you're definitely interested in trying to do that, you know, that, or just reach out to me and I'd love to help. You got it. And we'll provide those resources in our episode notes and on our social media platforms. Cool. All right, and just like for our, our little reflection for our uh, <clears throat> listeners out there, Jill, you'll like this question. How are you preparing students to be future leaders, contributing members of society, and job ready? All right, I'm, I'm asking you listeners out there, is it a project-based learning? Is it through social-emotional learning? Is it through STEAM interaction? Um, is it through collaboration with other grade levels? How are you guys preparing your students to be, you know, those life ready learners that we're all kind of striving to make them become? And we think today uh, listeners learned a lot from, you know, Joe uh, talking about his inclusion classroom and, and for sure, you know, the scrum and, and all the benefits that, that those two things bring to your classroom. Um, Holly, do you have anything you wanted to say? I think I just, you know, my school counseling heart really just appreciates and I talked about the relationship building, you know, how, how important that is to see all these amazing things happen, but also really thinking about what you said, I wrote it down. Um, 20% brain power, 80% heart. Heart. Yep. And, and, and just the message of being patient, you know, we ask our students to be patient with the process, but also we as educators need to be patient with the learning process um, so that we can feel okay to take risks. You know, we're not so focused on that outcome. Um, and then also, and I'm going to, I'm going to steal this and, and use it with my own <laughs> students. How can I help you? Saying more of that. Um, so I, I just, uh, that's something that I personally took from this and want our listeners to reflect on as well. Yep. Yeah, no, I loved it. And then the quote that I think stuck out to me and, and I, don't, I forgot the name, Joe, but it was giving skills or providing skills over, you know, that knowledge. Uh, you know, we'll speak volumes and we'll go so much more further, um, you know, for your students than than just providing knowledge and content on a regular basis. But, Joe, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thank you, guys. And, and listeners, we will have um, resources uh, that Joe was talking about in this episode for you to um, look into and do some research on your own so that you can start incorporating some of these things into your own classrooms. Yeah, we'll have his his uh, Twitter and also some of his uh, science shows as well on there because I, I like I like I like watching them with them right next to me just so we have some fun time. It's a it's a great time. Uh, thank you for all you do, Joe. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Hey, hey, Edspire listeners! Make sure that you subscribe to us so that you don't miss a single episode we are throwing your way, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Edspire Podcast.